0: Hello everybody, welcome into the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers, Open Think Tank. I'm Scott Prather. Charlie Long in the house this morning. He's with me this week. Normally Norm's in here on Thursday mornings with me to heckle me and say ridiculous off-the-wall things, but... uh... I don't know. Charlie, are you going to say ridiculous off-the-wall things? Seems like I have a standard to live up to. Uh, good luck. Thursday mornings. I don't think you can meet that one. Sorry. I guess, I guess not. There's only one Norman Locke. That's true. <laughs> He'll be in this afternoon uh, with the lock-in. He and Lynn. phone lines are open for you guys this morning, 269-1077. If you want to get on the show, we're going to dig into a number of things. Um, The homegrown superstar, if you will, in sports... I want to kind of unpack that a little bit, why fans love it, why younger fans don't care as much. Uh, Something Conor McGregor had to say about Dustin Poirier in regards to their last fight, NBA Finals Game 2 tonight, Pelican rumors, NFL rumors, home run derby, and more. Let's dive in. So, do you like the idea of a star in sports, being drafted, staying with the team, winning it all with the team, never leaving the team? or In what it, sport? In any sport. Or is it kind of like it's yeah, fine, but it's not all that big of a deal? Well, I'm a fan of a small market,
1: so yeah, I'm a fan of that.
0: So this, this this is more about you
1: wanting small market teams to succeed. Which is why I'm so excited for this NBA Finals.
0: Well, who are you rooting for?
1: It's tough. Uh, like you'd like to be awarded for staying with Milwaukee, but at the same time, that's bad for
0: the Pelicans. So. so you don't really care that much. You say you do, but if it meant that much to you, you'd be rooting for the Bucks. You just care about no, the homegrown because- superstar thing when it's your team.
1: Because it's another Devin Booker's a homegrown superstar for the Phoenix Suns.
0: Yeah, but he hadn't been there as long as Giannis. Like you haven't He's gotten been to there that, like five years. But you haven't gotten to that point yet.
1: What they're like, boy, Giannis Devin been there like
0: seven. Devin needs to leave. Oh, boy, they were Devin talking Devin about should, it.
1: Devin should leave. The not noise, boy. the noise was starting to come up after the a couple of years ago. Not the same way they do with Giannis. Though. Well, yeah, I mean Giannis, they wanted in New York when and when you're wanted in New York,
0: they're not going to shut up about it. Sure. I also think the difference is Devin. He signed that. Um, he's, uh, he did sign that extension recently, I guess last off season, but no rookie that was eligible for a big max extension has, I say rookie, no player yet in the NBA history under the current structure that was a superstar has not signed a max extension at the end of their rookie deal yet, that hasn't happened. There's yet. no really reason not to. I mean, it's um, Giannis, on the other hand, it wasn't that one. It was that second go round where we've seen a lot of superstars leave, and he said, "No, I'm staying." That's, mm-hmm. I guess, that's what I'm saying. There's the difference between Giannis and Devin. Yeah, like here's he was
1: in like the 80s stage, but instead of correct. requesting, he, who he, wanted he
0: had he had reached that point where we've seen plenty of guys say like, "I'm out," and he mm-hmm. stayed. So it feels. It feels, uh, yeah. I, I, but but what's the difference between Devin Booker and Giannis as well? Devin's from the U.S. Giannis is an international player. Like when it comes to guys wanting to stay put and say, "Man, I care about the city. I care about the fans." Is that is there a difference between sort of American player and the international player and in how they might view that? Maybe so. I, I think
1: there might because I mean. When you think of some loyalty, like you think of Dirk, mm-hmm. you know Dirk with the Mavericks and Timmy with the uh, with with the Spurs and stuff. So there might be some sort of connection with international players, like in to stay with their situations.
0: Technically, Tim, even though it was U.S. Virgin, Virgin I mean, Miles, technically, but... I mean, he played for Team USA. That's true. But I forget technicalities. To your point, it's not like he's. It, there's a difference, right? Yeah, I mean, he's he, it's. I think I think there are a couple of things here. I think there might be a different outlook, but I also think it's like a generational thing as well. Like when you're a kid, sports are all personal. Like if you're if you're a kid that's really you know, you're seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, whatever, if you're really, really good, if you're an elite athlete, I mean, what's driving you is your love for the sport, your personal love for the sport. At some point, the business side of it comes into it, but I think when you're an adult, like and you're a professional athlete, you have to think about the business side of it. Do you still have that personal side of it? How do you outweigh one with the other? Like the whole I like it's a lot of a lot of younger sports fans, if it's not their team, they're like, Whatever, man, that guy has the right to do whatever he wants. He should go wherever he wants. If it's their team, they might feel a little different. Whereas the old school fan, it's like, come on. Like I remember Magic. Lakers, his whole career winning titles, Bird, Jordan, Duncan, whatever. Like I, the the younger generation, like old school. Like let's be honest, that's what old school means. It just kind of means like you're old. I think you have the inner, you have a couple of layers here when you look at homegrown superstar, international versus American. What's the mindset? That personal versus business, almost like a kid adult type outlook on it, and then like old school generation versus new school generation. There, there are a couple of different layers to it, and if you, if you fall in two of those three, if like whichever box you check off, whatever the majority is of those three boxes, if you check off two of them, that'll probably tell you what you need to know about: is that guy going to stay, or gal going to stay somewhere, or are they going to leave?
1: Yeah, I, I think the new school generation mindset: if you're not winning a championship every year, then you're a failure, right? So Is that's, that
0: their, but is that is that what it is, or yeah, is it more it is of a marketing
1: thing like I need to get to this market because um Well he experienced it firsthand with Anthony Davis, right? Like he wasn't winning here. He wasn't winning a championship and he was just like, I want to get out. He goes and plays with LeBron, they win a championship together. It so, worked out
0: for him, but couldn't he have found what don't you think there would have been some other places he could have won a title? He forced his way to LA. Like, right. I think I That's think, my point though. Like I think it's not a coincidence that okay yeah LeBron was there. It's also not a coincidence. It was the L A market and it was the well, Lakers.
1: Like, I mean the other the other teams that were looking at him. I, I mean the only one that I think outside of L A may have been a title contender would have been the a trade of Boston, which would have been a whole domino effect.
0: Let's say let's say AD's like I want to go to Golden State no matter what. This is back when they wore yeah. Of still. course you don't think he could have ended up there. I don't know what kind, what type of situation they would have had. My like, thing is, he could say championship, and yeah, that all saying that it's about winning no matter what is always good for the superstar. Like yeah. James Harden said, it's only about winning, bro. You've been winning in Houston. You said won a title, like yeah, don't no, like that's you've what I'm been. saying. But that's like, the, he wanted to get to Brooklyn because of the market. He can say if you always say it's just about winning, it helps in terms of the publicity and the perception. But I think. I think it's business more than anything else for a lot of these guys. I don't buy the, it's only about championships. I think they all say it because that's the right thing to say because it it matters, but we've seen guys leave markets where you could have won a championship. Like Kevin Durant, I mean, how close was he with OKC? He, he
1: lost to Golden State, then he hopped over on this train. Game seven, right? But, but. Do you, uh, that's my thing. I don't think he saw himself beating that OKC team. And that's the thing with Harden, was when Harden requested, requested out, he felt like he was past... Houston's best chance right Houston had their shot in like 2018 was it with Chris Paul where Chris Paul got the hamstring injury they ended up losing in game seven to the Warriors like I I do think that championships do play a big part of it because there's so much pressure on these guys to go win like if you're not and that's what the noise with Zion's about like Zion hasn't made the playoffs in two years he's played 90 NBA games I know but people are already pressuring him which is ridiculous because he hasn't had any time to do anything but people are already pressuring him the biggest stage Right, You need to be in the biggest games, the most watched games every year, the NBA Finals.
0: There's a different standard held. Like The Bucs were in the conference finals, and everybody's like, oh, he's got to go. There's no way he can win here. They might win. Like I know they're down one game to nothing. They might yeah. win this year. If he is in the conference finals and has a two-time MVP and he's playing for the Knicks, no one is suggesting, oh, he's gotta get out of there. No, they're like, he can win here. He just no, that's needs fair point. He just needs to stick it out. He needs to look how close they are. If you're in a small market team, you can be close and everyone's like, you gotta bounce. Not everyone. You know what I'm saying? Like I think a lot of I, I think the championship thing, I'm not saying it it holds no merit because I think it does matter to some players. I'm not trying to poo poo your point, Charlie. My point is that I think it's totally overstated and overplayed. I think for a lot of these guys, and we're talking specifically about the NBA now, I think for a lot of these guys, it is business-driven more than anything else. Um, you know, for Giannis, because and people could say, well, that's dumb. AD could have made even more in New Orleans, yada, yada, yada. Maybe in an actual contract. Mm. But you go to L.A., you win a title. You do all this stuff. You have all these other business opportunities that are presented to you right there in the moment. You can say, actually, no, you're actually making more here. I don't know. I, I, I think guys just like certain markets. I think they make business decisions because of it. And I think the winning part is the way to make you look the best. And and if it matters somewhat, sure. Don't say it's the only thing that matters,
1: though. Yeah, I mean, 80s is also hilariously unmarketable. Like, his Ruffles commercials are just really funny. He just says negative charisma. Man, those,
0: yeah, he's got, he's got as, about as much charisma as my Keurig. You know, yeah. I think we've seen that. And, and I'm not, I'm not trying to diss him. I mean, it's just, he's not, I it's just a fact. It's, it's a fact. You know, the market size in terms of business, if you're a big enough superstar, you can do it anywhere. I don't know. I just think some people like certain organizations, they like a bigger spotlight. And when the winning comes with it, that's kind of
1: like, Cool, that's awesome. There's definitely pristine around certain orgs in the NBA. Some deserve, some not. You like, know. like, like the Lakers were off awesome first year. He wasn't like, I got to get out of here. He's like, no, I got to get people to come to me. Well, LeBron going to L.A. was definitely his business decision yeah. more than winning. I mean, he had already won, though. For stars and superstars that haven't won, there's always noise from social media saying, win a ring. Like, go get a championship. Mm-hmm. And I think that that does have an impact. Maybe not all the impact, right? Like, I mean, of but, course, L.A. is more more like, uh, uh, players like it more than, say, Memphis or something like that. You know,
0: I mean, look, if, if the Raptors don't win in the finals and Kawhi leaves, I'm sure they would have. I, I guarantee you his publicist team, whatever, would have been like, well, he just wants to, he feels like it's a better chance for him to win a championship. They couldn't use that going one to the Clippers. because he just won a championship yeah. in Toronto, so they played it a little different. No, like, no I'm just home. going somewhere. Yeah. Like, it's it's going to be used as ammo regardless of what it is when you want to get on the move and um you know and and i'm not trying to say that for some of these players and for a lot of these guys that's not part of it i just don't think it's the the end all for them
1: yeah it's sort of the birth of the super team right like the first super team was in miami right which is a attractive free agent destination and then you know golden states in san francisco and the west coast and los
2: angeles that was, Lakers.
0: that but see i don't i look at those two things very differently like golden state homegrown and had won a title until and then brought in until Durant's like, I want to go there. Yeah. Um, he wanted a piece of the pie. He won, he yeah. won his championship. But Durant, ring. he kind of wanted it. And then he realized like, Hey, I'm on the top of the mountain. I don't really, it's not the view I thought it'd be. People are kind of, people still hate me because people don't like me because this win. didn't feel like I earned it the same way that these other older generation players did. And it's more of like an old school, new school look, but I mean, I think even young fans were like, "Come on, KD! Like, really? Like yeah. this?" He kind of ruined basketball for a couple of years. Ruined it. That's a bit. That's a bit drastic.
1: I mean, you knew going into each of those seasons who was going to win, but like things have changed.
0: I mean, Toronto. We thought we figured they'd win when Toronto won. Yeah, didn't we? no, we did. But that and was that this was year, more injury. No one, like no one had Phoenix, and yeah, some of us had Milwaukee in the finals, but. I would say more had Brooklyn. Certainly Brooklyn was the betting favorite. Yeah, the thing no with one had was they were,
1: they were the first two seed to not be favored in their first-round the matchup. Like,
0: are things changing? Toronto wins it. I hope so. Lakers, yeah, they won it last year, but I think we can agree the bubble was a – that last season was just odd for many reasons. Um, not trying to say you put an asterisk or whatever. Not doing that. But, like, no one had Miami going to the finals and – the, again, the bubble experience as a whole was just – it was just odd. Yeah. Uh, you look at it this year, no one had Phoenix. There they are. I, I think I think maybe we're still stuck in the mindset of the super team and the favorites and things like that. And, I mean, heck, a lot of people were stuck in that mindset just a couple of weeks ago. Oh, Brooklyn's going. Brooklyn's going, blah, blah, blah. There doesn't matter that those guys only played eight games together. Well, they didn't. They got beat. Um, so here we are. Phoenix Milwaukee game 2 tonight you've got homegrown international star that stayed in Milwaukee that signed that wanted to stay there that said he wanted to stay there that signed the extension that has been close if he I don't know I I, I feel like more people are rooting this is just my perception Charlie and feel free to jump in and say yeah I don't, I don't I'm not seeing that I, I get this vibe that more people are rooting for Phoenix, that they seem to be more of a fan favorite than Milwaukee. Meanwhile, I'm like, well, come on, Bucks. Like, They've got the guy that is doing all the things you've wanted these other superstars to do. Why aren't you rooting for him? Yeah,
1: I think the issue is that a lot of people are rooting for Paul to get his first ring. Like, It's it's a great story. The guy's 36 years old. He's in his first finals ever. He's He's been known as kind of like a playoff choker throughout some of this, his playoff runs. Which is finally fair. It's not. It's not fair. fair. It's just NBA fans. I mean, that's just how it is. But he's finally made his first run with this young Phoenix team. Monty Williams is super likable. And then all of a sudden, they're up one nothing in the finals after beating the Brakes off of Milwaukee in the third quarter of that game, of that game one. So I do feel like I, I definitely see what you're saying, that more people are probably rooting for Phoenix, but there's a no reason for it. Like, I don't think anyone on Phoenix is really unlikable. Like, it's the same thing with with Some people Milwaukee. don't like Chris Paul, though. You realize that. I
0: mean... Flopper and...
1: I guess. Like, Lakers it. fans We're don't like him. We're a little them. jaded
0: because we remember Chris Paul in New Orleans. Yeah, and, 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 like, a,
1: and like a nice light. But right, the guy's right. a Hall of Famer. He's, sure, he's, he's a, one of the best point first, first ever. ballot Hall of Famer. Like, probably on the Rushmore of point guards. Like... He deserves just, a ring. It's
0: almost like, I guess, I guess the this, this has been a very long winded me, Charlie, long winded way of me saying, like, Giannis has done this thing that many fans want superstars to do make it to the finals. Yeah. Well, with no, small just market. stay, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. stay with the team that drafted him. He's a two time MVP. He's a superstar. Signs the that, that, not the, that second, that big one, mm-hmm. staying put, like, He's there. This is what so many fans have said, guys. And now he's in the finals, and I feel like outside of Bucks fans, NBA fans are not rooting for him. And it's like he's—I imagine he's this, doing
1: this thing that you all wanted him to do. There's probably small market fans that are rooting for the Bucks, like maybe Memphis fans and stuff like that, and I, I, perhaps and Sacramento. Now here's maybe, here's the like, thing.
0: Here's the thing. I mean, I don't. I think most are rooting for Phoenix. Now, I will say that if it was clippers or if it was the lakers that milwaukee would have a lot of those but then Definitely. the lakers but then the lakers have such a big fan base to begin with They're just laker fan like who are laker fans rooting for in this finals probably the
1: i don't know lakers fans do not like chris paul right so probably milwaukee right <laughs> <laughs> i
0: guess but then but then isn't that weird? Okay, so Bucks fans are rooting for the Bucks obviously, but then the fan base that the kind of the the fans that are rooting for Milwaukee are Laker fans yeah, the who big are like market, the who are like market. who want who want every star ever to go to their team just
1: because they're the Lakers. They want they want uh Milwaukee to win so they can start pushing the Devin
0: Booker to I mean, LA what, trades. Sure, whatever it might be, right? But there's like there's some irony there. I'm looking at the Bucks, I'm like, why aren't more people rooting for this team? Like I've heard so many folks say, "Oh, you got to, you got to Got to hope more people do what Giannis did, like, well, and then this standard is, well, for them to do it, they have to win a ring or else it's not justified, which is a dumb way of looking at it. If a guy wants to stay somewhere and he's happy, so be it. But yeah, Jay emails, he says Zion will be the first superstar guy to leave after his rookie deal. Yikes. <laughs> I hope not. Tell you what, man, that would be, I mean, <sighs> with Zion, it's not like it's a money thing. He's... Got plenty of uh, endorsements. Yeah, he could take a, a smaller contract. Because he's marketable. He, he could take a smaller contract with a different team. Well, I say smaller. A con- He can make the rookies make the most because their max extension with their current team is where they can get the most money on a contract. But with Zion, like, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, it's yeah, like. Yeah, he's super yeah, charismatic. He's, he's, he's got it. I mean, that guy signed, what, a $90 million deal with Jumpman before he even signed his own He's already rookie got his own shoe. Yeah, that, would, uh, that, would, that would hurt. That would hurt.
1: That would I mean Don't if at deep. that point just just move us. Oh, yeah. Just get us out of here. Get us out of Louisville. Don't get us out that. of New Orleans. Don't
0: say that. That's what that's what everyone's like, get them out, and that's when they do something. There are Pelican rumors out there, by the way. Um do we got. We'll talk about it next. Plus Ooh, what Connor McGregor had to say about Dustin Poirier. Is that moving the betting line at all for this Saturday's big fight? Yeah. We'll see. Last time Dustin knocked out Connor. Here's what he. This is what. This was like Mike's on the side of the octagon when it happened.
2: You're hurting me.
0: That was it. That happened. That was his actual voice. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yep. That's right.
2: You're hurting me. Mm-hmm. ESPN
0: 1420. Don't go anywhere. Scott Prather, Charlie Law. On a Thursday morning. We'll be right back right after this on ESPN 1420 and .com. ESPN 1420, ESPN 1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. I'm Scott Prather. That is Charlie Long. Phone lines are open at 269-1077. 269-1077. Uh, the um, Pelicans are one of several teams reportedly – that have contacted the Pistons about potentially acquiring the number one overall pick.
1: I did see this. I was wondering what you were talking about before the break. I did see that, though. There's like five other teams as well that are interested in it. I mean, I guess how serious do you think they are here? Uh, If they're worried about Zion leaving, that might be pretty serious.
0: I don't think they're worried right now. He's got three years left on his rookie deal. I think they're worried about finding the right coach to make sure that three That's years the from now, or two years sure. from now, like, everyone. I get, I get why people are freaking out because what happened with AD. But like, you're really early in the process here. Definitely. Guys. Like, just and you know,
1: Griff is doing his due diligence. I think they're much more
0: focused no, on I mean, Griff. Making, Griff needs to do his job because if he screws uh, up this hire, I'm sorry. You just got. i was just saying his name gets me. Well, this is the thing. most. Important all season in the team's
1: history. I mean, they have to make the playoffs next year. They have to. So I think they're more focused, as you said, on getting a coach right now. But I think just calling Detroit to see like kind of gauge interest, like what's going on. Detroit probably answers the phone and like Zion or or get off my phone line, right? When and at that point you just hang up.
0: Well, yeah. I mean there's there's they're they're not gonna give up Ingram for, for the first overall pick. They're not gonna give up Zion, obviously. They have a lot of draft picks. Um but that's that's good if you're. I, it doesn't th- their their draft capital can get them something, but I don't think it's Cade Cunningham because he's the presumptive top choice. It's more likely if they move up
1: that they move up with Toronto, and and go get like the number four pick.
0: Yes, but then like I, at that point, I'm like just stay at ten.
1: I don't. I like Jalen Suggs a lot, and at, at that point, I would probably involve Alonso in that trade mm-hmm. to uh, a
0: sign in trade.
1: Yeah. To, to Toronto. That's about all you can get because he'll be. Lonzo a and injured. a
0: couple first rounders. I mean, Lonzo as a sign of trade isn't really a big part of the pattern. Could just sign him anyway. Cleveland, Houston, New Orleans, OKC are the teams that are making overtures to the Pistons about what it would cost to trade. That was reported by ESPN's Jonathan Gavani. Uh, Said so the talks are in the early stage and that the Pistons are active in exploring the possibility of trading down. We'll see what happens. I think the Pistons should just sit tight and take them. But, um, you know, if their GM, Troy Weaver, wants to just move back or in a crazy fan about Kate Cunningham, guys, go for it. Go ahead.
1: I, I really like Cunningham. I think he's a great prospect. There's a reason he's the number one guy. I agree, and I don't think it's but that this is a, of a draft. No, I mean, it's, it's a strong top of the draft. Mm-hmm. Like the top five picks or top four picks at least are all really good in my opinion. So if they move down, it's more likely that they they really like like maybe J- Jalen Green or uh, Mobley, Evan Mobley from USC. Maybe they move down a couple picks because they like that guy more than Cunningham, and they, they like
2: Suggs, like you said.
1: Yeah, they may like Suggs as well. Uh, so those <laughs> top four guys are all really good. Uh, if the Pelicans are moving up in the draft, I would want to get one of those four. After that, there's a little bit of a drop-off. Don't you
0: it. think there's a big drop-off between Cunningham and the three guys you mentioned, though? Like, there's, like, yeah, two yeah no, Cunningham's, Cunningham's in that
1: trio, and then there's another gap. In there. It's and we'll not get, as We'll get big, to the phone lines in a second. It's not as big of a drop-off, I don't think, from, like, Cunningham to, like, Green or Mobley versus Suggs to, like, Kaminga
0: or Keon Johnson. I just don't see. I, I I find it hard to imagine Detroit passing up this opportunity. Hey, who knows, man? <laughs> it's Detroit. They, uh,
1: they they make the mistake and say, we don't want Cunningham. We're moving back because we like another player more. And then some team swoops in and, again, all all pro point guard. So. Um,
0: bottom of the hour, Scott Prather, Charlie Long. Phone lines are open at 269-1077. Let's head to him. I think we got Josh here waiting on line one. Good morning, Josh. What's up?
2: Man, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, I, I didn't really pay attention a whole lot. This year to the players that are available in the draft, as I have in the years past. Uh, I mean, this guy Cunningham. Let's just live in a bubble where the Pelicans make this trade. What position does he play in? Like, and do you see him fitting with the Pelicans?
1: He's like a point forward. He's like a. He's more of a point guard. Um, he was super. If you if you didn't watch him at OK State, he was super impressive this year. There's definitely a reason why he's the number one projected pick. He's got. He's got. He projects really well as a, as a defender. He's a big point guard. He's got great court vision. He has an outside shot. He's he's a all around great six, player. He's
0: a point guard that plays defense and can score whether it be off the dribble or catch and shoot. I mean, yes, he would. Fit. Fit. He's he, he's he's a he's he's a he's beast. a good in, he, like his skill set fits. I, there's not a single team where you're like, well, that doesn't fit. There might be some teams where you're like, well, you're already really set at point guard, so what mm-hmm. you good? There's not a single team in the NBA where you're like, his skill set doesn't fit in here. No, it's but Taylor made for today's NBA.
2: So he's basically Ben Simmons, but can shoot.
1: Yeah, kind of. He's he's a Ben Simmons is a little bit bigger than him, and probably a better defender coming out. Um, or at least he'd turn himself into a better defender.
0: I think Cade can can be a great like all defensive team guy. I don't think his first step is as quick as Ben's, um, but yeah, I think he's a he's obviously a better shooter. He's got the great all. I mean, I'm game. a better shooter than Ben Simmons guy. So it's it's it's, you know, I, mean, I don't know how much that's saying. <laughs> Um, but yeah, man, he can, he can knock up pull up jumpers from mid range from three great free throw shooter, mm-hmm. soft touch around the basket. Um, you know, I like, I think again, like that first step isn't super fast. So, okay. If you if you're looking for, it's not slow, but it's not super quick. So, okay, well, there you go. There's something he can work on, but he's a big time playmaker. And I think. Again, I think the gap between him and either Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or or Jalen Suggs, I think it's wide, man. I think this is, this is, I, I again, I find it really hard to imagine the Pistons who really need star power, who really need good players, who were twenty and fifty two last year. I just don't see how they could pass this up uh, if a team's not offering a bona fide star immediately that's going to help them win games and sell tickets. And I don't know that. You know, any of the teams that I mentioned were interested are going to do that. Like, who do the Thunder have that's a big star that would be worth giving up Cunningham for? Right, uh, Cunningham for right now.
2: I guess yeah, Shay. I, I
0: agree. He's not. I mean, I guess- Shea's, Shea's a budding star. He, he's man. not. He's not selling tickets in Detroit. That's true.
1: That's true. But he is a budding
0: star. Good. I, I like. Going I to be like good. him. But that's not like if Detroit wants to basically build long term. Okay. You're going to give me a really good player and a ton of future draft assets. Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I think, I think the Pistons' mindset right now is we need to get somebody that we can build around right now and get people excited about right now because before they landed the number one overall pick, nobody was excited about. I mean, the Pistons, with their great history, with their illustrious history, were probably the least one of the two or three least talked about franchises in basketball this
2: past year. Maybe the yeah, It seems about. like it. It seems like they've fallen more back into mediocrity because you have these teams that have usually been bad or been okay that have kind of risen to the top. So it's almost kind of like they've they've become the Browns of the league, even though the Browns are good now. But you get my point. Sure. Uh, I, I will say I will say this though. I, my only concern about the Zion thing. I understand that it's year three, and I understand that you know there's still some time left, but it kind of feels like a you know a couple like a boyfriend and girlfriend where, like, the girlfriend's already made up her mind she broke up with him, you know, and she's just trying to figure out when she's going to tell him. You know, like, <laughs> the relationship's already over, and, like, you're just waiting for it, the, the shoe to fall. So I, I just don't want to see that happen to the Pelicans. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe the, maybe the you're right about the Pistons, but maybe the Pistons also see the Pelicans have, you know, 37 first-round picks in the next four years, and maybe they'll offer a bunch of those picks and maybe turn a bunch of 8 and 10 and 12 spots into a first overall pick and maybe make a difference player because that's really what they need. But anyway, man, I'll hang up and listen.
0: Thank you. Thanks for the call. I think what they need is the right coach that is going to help them win games. And Who the Pelicans the right roster? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's not overthink it. Kay Cunningham would be nice, but let's nail this coaching hire and give them a roster that makes you know roster construction. Only... A good coach and shooters. Yes. That's what the Pelicans need more than anything else this offseason. You do that, you're in the playoffs next year. And you you only might need to have, it. Maybe you win the If you're the Pistons, you
1: only have so many chances to win the lottery, right? The Pelicans' best package is all their first round picks, as the our caller was saying. Yeah, Brandon Ingram, but I don't think they want to do that. They have a bunch of first round picks, but how how valuable are those first round picks as opposed to the number one overall pick in a in a good draft with a great player that's available? Yeah. You're banking, you're banking on future luck. And at I that don't point, that you're banking on it. I mean, I if think, you make that trade,
0: you uh, do. Sure, sure. If you make that trade, I, I think um, all these draft assets just figure out a way to use it and get a star now. Please. And uh, get the Please. right coach. And this team lost 15 games this year where they led by, you know, where they led in the fourth quarter. Yep. Uh, or led by five or more in the fourth quarter, which is different than, I mean, that, if you just win half of those. You're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know you're you're playing. You're in the, you, if you win ten of those, you just you're you're not that. You're not as far away as everyone's making it out to be. But if you make the wrong hire, you're going to fall further away from it. You make the right hire, you're you're back on track in terms of where that timeline is. But no excuses. I mean, they, last year was terrible. And Gotta make it Dan right. And Ben Gundy was a really bad hire and hearing him now say some of the things he said on some of the podcasts he's appeared on. It's like, it's like there was a fundamental difference. You know, I was just trying to get this team to play a certain way. And the, and and David Griffin was worried more about environment and culture and everybody Mm. caring about each other. And that's just not me. And it's like, Then that was a bad hire, and David, you probably should have figured that out before you hired him.
1: Yeah, old old school guy, Uh, worried about the X's and O's, but I mean, it's just a new school culture. We've kind of talked a little bit about it with the new players, like the new age of players.
0: Did not fit. UFC 264 is coming up um, this Saturday night. It's in Vegas. Conor McGregor against some guy named Dustin Poirier. Oh yeah, we know who that is. Yeah, the Lafayette native, Dustin the Diamond Poirier, who last time they met knocked out McGregor. In an interview published today, um, McGregor, in an interview with Stephen A. Smith, said he didn't. He admitted Poirier wasn't the only thing on his mind. That he uh, was quote looking past him. McGregor said he was already planning a training camp for a boxing match with Manny Pacquiao and was just assuming he was going to win and then was going to start that and get it in place and said he was looking past him. Said, quote, I uh, said he wanted to pat him on the head leading up to the fight. Said there was a mutual respect. He wanted to give him his due. So basically what McGregor's saying here is it's, it's, what a great trash talker. Here's some more. I need to I need to find this video so we can play the audio. But McGregor. I'm always worried when I hit play that, and I haven't heard it yet, that there's going to be some like foul language. Quote, I'm a nice guy. I, I'm just not about translating it into the game. You can't be nice in the business, no matter what. In the most ruthless business of all, I am the most ruthless. It's hard to go face-to-face and want to tear through a man and then hold your son and your daughter and give them a bottle and feed them. A lot of vibes in this to me coming from McGregor are, yeah, I just kind of, it was more of a charitable thing for me to do, <laughs> and I probably didn't take him serious, and, you know, it's just, that's on me. That's not going to happen this Saturday. Man knows how to sell a fight. McGregor also has not seemed to be as ruthless as he used to be um, once he became the, <clears throat> you know, half a billionaire, whatever you want to call it. I mean, he just worth more than any other fighter in the game by a mile, the amount of money he's made, um, but he says that's that's not going to be the case this Saturday. He's putting on his hard hat. He's getting in there and uh, and he's getting it done. So I don't know, man. I think again yesterday the betting odds had Poirier as a very very slight favorite. Now if you look at it, it's almost even. It's kind of changing by Yikes. the day. Um, McGregor quote: "I'm going in to kill this man." Oh wow! I'm coming in with vicious intent here. Mortar shots. What else can I say? That's the way it is. I'm looking to take this man out cold. Yikes! Okay. Listen, you can call Conor McGregor a lot of things, but I think
1: you kind of hit on it. He's the best salesman. Like he knows how to sell a fight. People will go He's prime time viewing just because of like he's super intelligent and in how he's like hypes up certain fights that he goes he goes into and people pay money to see him fight like these other UFC fighters because of the way that he hypes it up. You know what I'm saying? Like that's awesome. He, that's what the sport
0: needs. He 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 yeah. And he just there's no bound. like earlier this week, I guess 2 days ago on Twitter, he put up a screenshot of Dustin's wife. Yikes. And in it it's, it's basically a screenshot of a message he he sent her says, accept message requests from Jolie Poirier. If you accept, they will also be able to video chat with you, whatever, blah, blah, Um I don't think he, he. he who knows when this message was, right? Um, but he's just, that's him just putting it out there. You know, bringing a guy's wife into it. Didn't do anything other than, oh, here is her sending me a DM, whatever. And she's great, helps them with the charity. Like, they know, the families have known each other. They've met, like this is nothing more than McGregor just trying to stir something up and, He's trying and get to stir people more talking. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And guess what? It works. People are like, don't do this. Or, oh, I can't believe he did that. <laughs> All it is is like a screenshot. You know what I'm saying? But McGregor, dude, he that guy. And, and it, you know, when him and Khabib were were getting out, and Khabib owned him in the oh, octagon, yeah. by the way, McGregor crossed some lines. Like, there was there – was, this undertone there was like this racial undertone to the whole guy that got it, it, at some point he went like too far with it, in my opinion, where mm-hmm. it's like now this is just all in poor taste, and that you have to go really far to say that when you're talking about promoting a fight, yeah, I think you know' can can he get back to that sweet spot, and part of that is, yeah, he can, but he's also got to go knock people out and 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 win, and mm-hmm. that hasn't really been the the conor of late. Um, it's been more about just kind of the money-making side of it. So are we going to get a, a brutal, memorable fight Saturday night between these two guys? Obviously, I know who I'm rooting for, you know, Dustin Poirier all the way. Um, but Dustin, you know, he also knows what, what's he said this this fight will be the pinnacle of my career. And if he knocks out Connor again, he's like uh, household name – in the in the fight game, maybe forever. Like you you take two or three, and many are speculating it's going to be maybe the biggest, most sold UFC fight ever. Like think about that. Think about like the McGregor Poirier fight three, it was, it was, they fought in 2014. McGregor wasn't McGregor yet. Like people didn't know casual sports fans had no idea who he was. He was about to become this huge household name. Knocks out Poirier, whatever. Fast forward years later, Poirier's in a totally different place in the prime of his career. At that point in time, he won six of his last seven fights. Knocks him out. Then the bad blood starts after. There's more trash talking because leading up to fight one, a lot of trash talking. Poirier admitted, kind of got in my head. I got I, It became too personal, not a business. Um, fight two, there was like this kind of, It's going to be great. He's going to donate to the charity. A lot of respect. You know, I'm going to knock him out, but also respect. After the fight between that one, which was 166 days ago and now, it has been bad blood central. So if he knocks him out or if it's an epic fight or whatever, now you're starting to look at this thing as like a good, big rivalry. If you have a rivalry with Conor, you're kind of etching your place in MMA history then you look at DC, also a guy born and raised in Lafayette, and that doesn't live here anymore, like Dustin does. But born and raised, represents it a lot, reps it a lot. Him and John Jones—I mean, that's arguably outside of probably, um, you know, Ortiz and um, and, and God, but the, the great—you know—the the number one rivalry ever. Uh, it, it, Jones DC is probably number two. You have two Lafayette guys in probably two of the top ten fight rivalries of all time. That's 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 awesome, man. Like Chuck Liddell and Tito Ortiz is probably the greatest MMA rivalry of all time, but I'd put Jon Jones DC probably number 2 on that list. I don't think that McGregor and, and and Poirier are in the top 10 yet, but depending on what happens this Saturday, they could put themselves in there. And that's that's really really cool. I want give me fireworks, man. I just I want something epic Saturday night, Charlie. Just give it to me. What do you think is more epic? With the third fight, do you think like a
1: early knockout within the first couple rounds, or you think a fight that goes late?
0: I think a knockout in... In like the middle rounds? Yeah. Okay. Which is what you got last time. And yeah. And it was, I think if it's quick, it's only epic for one guy. If, yeah, that's fair. If you, if, if you got these guys taking some shots, right, just taking the punches, taking the haymakers. Oh, my God, is, is is a guy about to get knocked out, and then, boom, the bell rings, and now you're back in there. I think you need like – if you go back and look at Poirier's fight before, the one he won before he fought McGregor, it was like the fight of the night on that card because they were just – they were taking some licks, man. And that's what you need in this. You need – you're going to need – I mean, look, it, it, It's 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 a vicious sport. A knockout rather than a decision – is what's going to be more memorable. And the Definitely. first two have been knockouts. You need a knockout, but I think if it comes early, it just especially, more glory to yeah, one player. And and look, like Connor, Connor like Dustin has more to gain than uh Dustin has, I think, more to lose and maybe more to gain here. I think Connor, regardless of what happens, he's he's still Connor McGregor. He's yeah. fine, but he needs it's almost like he kind of needs that win to get back into the all right, he's taking this fight thing serious again. It's not just a money grab. There's that kind of perception floating out there. So there's there's a lot on the line this Saturday, man. I can't wait. ESPN 1420, let's take a quick phone call. 269-1077, the phone lines are open. Welcome back into the show. Hello.
2: I had to call back real quick. Uh, that fight you're talking about was against Dan Hooker. you talking about the one whenever they just turned a oh, bloody man? Yeah, man. But man. Yes, yes. Yeah. That, that was, was the fight was,
0: that out on that card, was it not?
2: Oh, no, it was 100%. And I have to admit it was a really good fight, but I just want to say this real quick and then I'll hang up and listen. Um, you know, the thing about Dustin fighting Connor is that Connor decided that he wanted to fight based off of his merit and not be that guy who gets in people's heads and see if he had it. And he just didn't have the stuff. And I think now he realized that and the moment the fight was over, he went straight back into his normal book. Of stirring a pot and trying to get the guy he's fighting against amped up, and trying to be that guy because that's how he's always fought. I mean, yes, he's a good—he was a good fighter, good striker. But his idea was, I'm gonna like, get in your head, and that's what he did to Josie Aldo, and so on and so forth. But my my only issue is, is that I just hope that Dustin uses his head. And doesn't try to just stand in the middle of the octagon and throw blows. And he uses the one thing he didn't use in the second fight much, and that's his ground game. And I, I personally would love to see a round four where he's on the back of Connor, just like Khabib, and you just see the white of Connor's eyes just disappear as he tries to tap, and he just he's done. And I feel like that would be the most beautiful way to send him off because knocking him out is one thing you've already done that. And, and, you know, you you take a much better chance of losing by standing in with someone who is a knockout artist. Instead, let the guy who gazes out and is synonymous for gazing out, bring him to the fourth or fifth round and just choke him out. Because for me personally, getting knocked out or getting punched in the face, yeah, that sucks. But you kind of expect that as a man. But getting choked out and letting another they have power over you, and you having nothing you can do about it, and just having to take that L. To me, that's kind of emasculating. And for me, I would love to see Dustin do that and just seal this trilogy. But anyway, guys, I'll hang up and listen.
1: Thanks for the call. Ooh, that's interesting. I, I think I put him to Listen, sleep. the whole highlights thing with with the UFC. Like, if you see a big time knockout, like. Just brutal, laying a guy out. It's going to be all over social media, and that's great for promotion of the sport. It's great for promotion of the fighter. You know, I think
0: that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm looking for for a KO, probably in like the fourth round. Fifth You're round, right. Maybe. The KO, the KO stirs up more stuff in terms of like fighter to fighter. It's more memorable, I think. In terms of just between the two fighters, what's more. Emasculating. It's it's what the last caller described. No, I I agree. It's what it's why Khabib's like the best and doesn't even really care about coming back and fighting. And in terms of the in terms of the headspace, it's true. Like Connor, like I think Connor getting in someone else's headspace helps him focus more. It's almost like he he starts to believe all the stuff he says, and then I don't know, man. Just it gets. Gets people going. But, you know, you hear a guy like Dustin say, you know, the first fight I was young, I just I let it all get in my head. And the second fight, it was just business. Mm-hmm. You know, he's in a different place now. Um, DC's <laughs> talked about, you know, some of his biggest regrets. is like, I hate that guy. John Jones got in my head. Got yeah, in my head. Um, ESPN1420.com, 10 minutes till the top of the hour. Getting back to something we were talking about earlier. Uh, emailer says, so are the Pels trying to trade Brandon Ingram? I don't think so. No. Um, I think that... Scooby Robinson had a report out there that they were interested, possibly, in doing it for a, or 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 speculation that if you wanted to trade for Damian Lillard or whatever. I'll also say that Scooby Robinson has not had um, <laughs> any of his uh, rumored interest NBA trade. hookabaloo I, I, I don't I don't remember the last time any of them actually even came to fruition or even became a more of a mainstream, yes, this talk, these talks are serious. Um, but I think the re- – I, I, I won't say never say never, but I think something that's telling is Trajan Langdon, assistant GM, or I, technically the GM, but second in command of the Pelicans behind David Griffin, he and Ingram were in L.A. together um, whenever they were watching, I guess, Clippers, Suns, and Pels were reportedly maybe going to talk to Willie Green at that time. Um, and the fact that he and Ingram were were together and 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 discussing the team and like there have been reports out there that they've they've kind of asked him and Zion and guys a little bit about what they want in the next head coach. Are you doing all that for a guy you're about to trade?
1: No. I, I I don't think Ingram's touchable. I think that when they committed the money to him, but no, I, don't, I
0: mean, I mean, if if you could get Lillard, sure, you would trade Ingram. No, I don't but think I, they I don't, do. Yeah, 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 I think they would in a second, but I don't think that's happened. Like, I don't, I don't think they've made the calls. Hey, do you want Brandon Ingram? Like, I don't think that's happening. I think there's only one untouchable player currently on the roster. It seems like they're committed to Bi. Sure, it, it seems they're committed to the future of Bi and
1: Zion and having them grow together. For I think now. the biggest thing was. With B.I., the the biggest thing they kind of told me that they were committed to him was his relationship with Stan. Those two did not get along. B.I. actually, it was reported, alleged, that B.I. did not like Stan at all, and there's rumors that if we would have brought Stan back, that B.I. would have requested a trade. That's how much that they didn't get along. That's Lynn and I had talked about it a couple weeks ago. Because we decided not to bring back Stan and move on from him, go get a new coach, and the two guys that we're mostly looking at with Charles Lee and Willie Green are younger guys that maybe can relate better to the players because they've played before.
0: What about Fred Vincent? Are we all just saying, are we yeah, overlooking cool. him? He'll probably be back, but not as the head coach. Like, are, It seems unfair that if they end up hiring Fred Vincent as head coach, people will be like, ah, I don't like it. And yet every player on that team loves the guy. Yeah, he's got an established relationship with the players. And he gets New Orleans, and he's been there, and yeah. he's and he's he played professionally for a long time granted it was it was overseas but the guy played for like 15 years of professional basketball um i don't know man he's i mean he's been in new orleans for for like
1: 11 years but that's my point is that they're mo- they moved on from stan because they're looking to get a younger guy that relates to these players more because they know that stan couldn't relate to guys like bi and zion
0: vincent is 50 years old which he feels younger he's been there for so long Everyone like – he's one of those guys that, like, he just stays there through every coaching change because the the organization loves him. The players that stay seem to love him. If this guy's a good coach and all the players relate to him and love him and, and he help, obviously help improve people's shooting, why wouldn't you take him as a serious candidate? It's almost like that that thing that works against you where you stay somewhere long enough and you're never going to get promoted because you're just always viewed as, like, that guy in, 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 in any line of work, right? You go somewhere else, do something big for another company. Now the one that previously had you is like, oh, wait a minute, man, come back. Sorry we only used you this way. Like you see that in business. You see that in other aspects of life. That kind of feels like, like if Fred Vinson had left for a little while and was an assistant somewhere else and was doing the same thing he was doing in New Orleans, there would be more buzz around him about the next head coach. It's almost like well, we already know what you do. Well, you really don't. You've only seen him in this role of an assistant coach. You don't know what he could be as a head coach. So, I don't know, man. I, I don't know if they're just including his name in there as, as Respect. almost like, yeah, right, right. It, it's kind of what it feels like. But maybe we're wrong, Charlie. Maybe it's like, no, nope, he's legitimately. I feel like a if guy. he was the guy that they would have announced it by now.
1: Like it feels like it's one of those two because they're both in the finals and they're just kind of waiting it out
0: suppose what if both of them are like yeah no thanks
1: if they both scorn you oh oh boy then you're in a situation where yeah. i think willie green would take the job um yeah i do too i think charles lee would take it but we'll see yeah they need someone it seems like bucks fans were big on two guys and like their assistant head coach out of their assistant head coaches between darvin ham and charles lee that
0: they it seems like they like more than coach Bud. you know ESBN 1420 .com. the best celebration in sports unfolded last night. Dream duos, what you got, Charlie? Oh yeah, so uh, I saw something on
1: Twitter. For, we're gonna we're gonna do this. It's a little hour. tease uh, for the next hour that um, there are four different duos of former players and current players in the NBA, um,
0: and we're gonna pick which one we like the most. And they gotta be like from the same franchise. For, yeah, same franchise is true. All right. Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN, 1420.com. I'm Scott. That's Charlie. We're right back, right after this. Hello, everybody. Welcome into the 8 o'clock hour of the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Scott Prather, Charlie Long. Been talking about McGregor versus Poirier. Homegrown talent. In professional sports, and why fans love it. The reality is, in regards to that, I fans just love when the best players on their favorite team like where they're playing and want to stay there. That's <laughs> really yeah, no, as definitely. simple as it gets. I think. I think that the second layer to that is when it's about a national perception of fans when it doesn't even include your team and how you feel about it. Like that's that's the psychology that like I. I find a little more interesting in digging into the whys of, but when it comes to like your own team, like that's that's all it is.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean <laughs> it, if it you is. get if you get a superstar player that likes where he's like the city that he's in, the fans are going to sure. love him.
0: Sure, I mean and they don't want him to leave. That's the whole like, thing with New Orleans. Like Saints People... fans is uh, Drew Brees, right? But he right. didn't even get drafted by the Saints. You know, right. what I mean, like he wasn't like he stayed. He left San Diego. Yeah, he, they didn't want him. You know, no one really wanted him except the Saints at that point. So it worked out. It's all part of the story. But it's like the guy likes the team and wants to stay there and is performing well. It's all hunky dory all the time, and that's mm. like euphoria for sports fans. It's like this in the simplest terms. Like, oh yeah, the team wanted you. You like the team. Fans like you. You like the fans, and you're good. Then you get a little too old. I mean, hell, look how many people were like Drew shouldn't be playing anymore. What's he even doing here? You know they'll turn on you. I mean, it's 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 a very. It, it, my favorite part of sports is the human side of it, and yet, you know, for fans, it's really just about laundry, right? What do you wear? It's it's the clothes. You're wearing this these clothes because you play for my team, and therefore, I like you. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, you're playing those clothes. You don't want to play for me anymore? How dare you! I don't like you anymore. Yeah. I mean, let's just let's just look at it like the way a kid would. I yeah. mean, this is a you know it's you can get it in simple terms and then i like going to that second level of okay well when it doesn't even involve your team why do you feel the way you do about what this professional athlete did and that's where i kind of start looking at the psychology but i bet you it usually just goes back to how you feel about your own team and why somehow somehow that has to drive the way you feel about what a story involving a superstar staying in a market or leaving a market dictates how you feel about it. Yeah, definitely. The AD situation, the perfect example
1: of everything that you just said. How how much Pelicans fans do not like the Lakers and this current Lakers team and LeBron James because of it and AD, of course. It's
0: If he went to the Lakers and it was just requested a trade or didn't sign the extension in that next offseason when he eventually was traded anyway, and he gets traded. It's okay. I don't know. I mean, are people upset? Like he just he yeah. There's he still could. there's still
1: people that are going to be upset.
0: Not not nearly as
1: no no. I as completely, as completely agree. As there's as still he, people that would be annoyed, but not nearly as many because of how he went
0: about it. I think I think more your old school fans will always be annoyed yeah because definitely they remember the old school way. Yeah, they remember Magic. Granted, you know he was with the Lakers. They remember Bird with the Celtics. They remember Jordan with the Bulls. They remember these. The idea of, man, those guys did it and, you know, help. I mean, and, you know, Isaiah Thomas with the Pistons, um, even though no one outside of the Detroit fans really liked the bad boys all that much. Um, but that's just, it, there's this nostalgia, this old school way of looking at it. Um, outside of that, it's how do you look at your own team? How do you look at your own feelings? At the end of the day, you just want to feel good by being a fan of a team and whatever's going to make you feel the most joy, that's what you're hoping happens. Pretty simple, Charlie. Yep, the sports psychology stuff, right? Oh yeah. ESPN fourteen twenty and Another pretty simple way, if you're listening right now, that you can save a life or save lives. The Vitalent Town Square Media Race Against the Clock Blood Drive, the sixteenth annual Race Against the Clock Blood Drive, is happening right now. Guys, you have got till seven o'clock tonight. You got all day. Tomorrow you have from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. to donate blood and save lives. In the summertime, there are more people on the road; they're traveling more. Unfortunately, a, a, a side cause of that is there are more accidents. There are more people that desperately need blood in hospitals that have to do it. Not to mention, we're still at the back end of a pandemic. The the and with people traveling and being out of their routines. The the blood donations go down as well. So they decline tremendously. People aren't on their usual schedule. Kids are out of school. Families are on the road. We got to make a difference here, guys. Donate blood today. Here is where we're donating blood. The Vitalent Race Against the Collect blood drive is happening. 325 Apollo Road in Scott. It's near the roundabout. It's not far from I-10. The Westline Event Center, it's at 325 Apollo Road in Scott. Westline Event Center. Put it in your phone. Put it in MapQuest if you're listening. Westline Event Center, 325 Apollo Road in Scott. You can, easier way to do it. You can make your appointment ahead of time. Vitalent.org race against the clock, or call uh, 877-258-4825. That's 877-258-4825. Everybody who donates... It's entered to win one of the 3 go local gift packages. We're talking 1 year membership to Hamper and 100 dollars in laundry credit. That's people doing your laundry for you, okay? Let me tell you something. You listen right now. You got kids. I mean, I do my life is dishes and laundry, Charlie, okay? Uh a Pandora bracelet and charm or a Kendra Scott jewelry set. All donors get a Vitalant t-shirt and coupons from McDonald's, Chick-fil-A and a Walk on Sports Bistro. There is a critical need for blood right now, especially type O blood, both positive and negative. So if you're type O, really, guys, consider making a difference. Make the time. Think if it was you or a loved one or someone you need, you knew that really desperately just needed this blood, um, it could be you or someone you love on the other side of that. Be that person that is helping them. Seven minutes after the hour of 8 o'clock. Phone lines are open at 269-1077, 269-1077. Before we get going here, uh, Charlie, shout out Jonathan Lucroy, Former cage yeah. Cajun. He got pulled up by the Braves. That's right. I did hear about that. That's right. Got pulled up by the Braves and was one of three last night with an RBI. He had a sacrifice bunt. And the fact that drno probably isn't coming off the DL until maybe mid-August. Yeah. I think you're going to see Luke for a while.
1: You know? Yeah, Darno had a great year of last year and you started off slow this year got injured and uh no I, I think luke Roy could be a nice little piece for them yeah like, the up, it was the a the sneaky up. little
0: signing by atlanta. the other catcher in atlanta you know he's older yet i think luke's just, just guy's been in the game a while and yeah, then he gets is. back goes through the minors for a little while now he gets that call up again so uh that's good i am no braves fan okay i'm no braves I'm fan not either <laughs> but uh but go luke i'll say that go luke you know scott i don't even know what team you follow That'd be the Mets. You're a Mets fan? Yeah, I'm a glutton for punishment, Charlie. Glutton wow. Glutton for punishment. Yeah. What do you like, the
1: Astros? Yeah, I'm an Astros fan. Okay, cool. Good for you. <laughs> it is what it is.
0: Good for you. I
1: don't hate the Mets. What do I have? I, I think... Oh, there you go. Wasn't, I wasn't expecting that one, Scott. What, me banging on a trash can? Oh, I thought that was... Yeah, yeah. It was a little trash, <laughs> trash bag. No, that was listen, trash can. Listen. Jacob deGrom is an android. The guy's unbelievable. Certain teams kind of
0: wasting his talents, though. Mm. You expect me to argue against that? No. I'm a realist. Yeah. Poor Jacob.
1: Uh, he's easy to the, the, the guys. Jacob DeGrom
0: in, in New York right now, the Mets, and our boy Shanae Otani with the Angels. Oh, God. Don't even Major talk to me about Shohei. Baseball is not doing enough to promote those two Superstars and the otherworldly things they are doing this year. They're both going to win MVP this year. They're not doing enough to promote it. Nope. It's like you, we we were talking so much NBA about you know small market, big market, whatever. If you have the superstars, people are going to watch. Like you've got these NBA finals between Phoenix and Milwaukee. You've got um, you know these markets that aren't these glamour markets, right? But what do you have? You got Devin Booker. You got Giannis. You've got superstars. Guess what? The ratings actually up. How about that, guys? How about that in the NFL, man? I mean, superstars, right? You 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 could put Brady in Tampa Bay. People are going to win. They end up winning the Super Bowl. But like, it. My my point is, right now the NBA, despite what what's been said for the last couple years, we're seeing in the playoffs with these ratings that market markets aren't as important as like just have the stars wherever they are. I mean, why are the Pelicans on TV a ton? Not because they're good. Because it's Zion. And why were the ratings good when the Pelicans were on? Because it's Zion. In the games he was hurt and they didn't play, the ratings weren't all that great. In Major League Baseball, well, the Yankees are this or that or whatever. Market the superstars. I know, yes, when the Yankees are good or the Cowboys are good or blah, blah, blah. But it's like those franchises are going to be relevant whether they're good or bad. Like, market your superstars better. Like, Otani, if he's if he's if they're if the Angels are going to be on national TV, MLB should be promoting the you know what out of it. If deGrom is starting and that thing's about to be on ESPN, they need to promote the ever loving you know what out of it. And it's just kind of like, well, you know, ratings aren't as good, and I wish the Yankees were better. And oh, Red Sox Yankees, they don't like each other. They're playing. Okay, cool. That's fine. We, we've seen the song and dance hundred times. It works. That's great. Find another song in dance as well. Like these people, if it, 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 you've got the Mets fans, you've got the Angels fans, you've got the hardcore baseball fans interested. Get the casual fans interested by promoting your stars. And I think MLB has done a very poor job in the last decade of promoting their superstars.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's very apparent. But with Otani, I'll, I'll say this. I'm nervous for Otani. I just have a terrible feeling that the Angels are going to waste him just like they did Mike Trout. And look, we were talking earlier about how if you're not winning a championship that your career is being wasted, that you're not, you know, people will say like get off this team or whatever. With baseball it's a little bit different, but at the same time
0: It is different though. It's it is. different in baseball. It
1: is, but at the same time you feel like Mike Trout one of the best players of the generation was wasted on the Angels cuz they never they barely they never sniffed the playoffs, right? He made the playoffs one time in one his time, career. One time. And they got swept out of it by the Royals. I think in like 2015, 2014, was it? Uh, so it
0: was in twenty fifteen.
1: Yeah. yeah. So he made the playoffs one time in Royals, his career. The
0: Royals beat the Mets that year in the World Series. Yeah, I, I do remember. That. He's also he's also just twenty nine. Um, he's got some time left. I mean, I in in like, I don't know. Even, I just Mike Trout kind of is is like as good as he is. Like, who is more exciting? All right, who is more exciting right now? Jacob DeGrom or Mike Trout? If DeGrom's pitching or if Trout's playing in a game is going to get three or four at-bats and one game's on ESPN and the other's on ESPN2 and your favorite team isn't playing, Charlie, which one are you watching? I'm a pitcher's person, so I'm watching DeGrom. Let's say say it's Otani. If I'm a casual fan. Let's say Otani's on a different team. You can't really do the exercise with Trout. Let's say Otani's on a different team. Okay, what team is he on? Uh, a, a team that isn't a glamour franchise. Let's say it's the Royals. Whatever. Okay. Let's just say he's on a different team. Not the Dodgers or Yankees or Cubs or whatever. A glamour, uh, or non-glamour franchise that's not a winner? Let's just, sure. Okay. Sure. Let's Even though the Royals won, it was five, well, it, and now they're, you know, yeah back to being the Royals. They're back in the dumpster. Um, They, like, if Otani's playing and Trout's playing and they're on two different channels, which one are you watching?
1: Otani or Trout?
0: Yeah. I know it's we can't do it in reality because they're on Is the same Is Otani team, pitching? Let's just let's say no. Come on, bro. You're watching. Can you imagine it right now Can today, you imagine Otani? Otani. Could,
1: yeah, of course. But could you imagine Otani in the NL? How much of a weapon that would be? It'd be amazing. It'd be amazing. Send him to New York. Oh, pff, get out of to, here. Send him to New York. Send him to send him to a winner in the NL.
0: Send him to like send him to like a place that likes to bang trash cans and stuff. Ooh, that's not the NL, Scott. Not anymore. You're right. Yeah. You're right. It's been a while. That's so weird. And it's it's they, like the Astros have been in the AL for a minute now, but like it still messes with my head sometimes that they're in the AL. Yeah, I
1: guess. I grew up. I grew up watching them in the NL. Like I grew up watching those Astros Cardinals. Oh, yeah, like, man. Early two thousands and LCS. Yeah,
0: dude. It's sorry. It's it's just it's
1: it's. I know it's. Been I have a while. more of a connection to that team than I do this one. I'll say that. Which I mean,
0: it still. It took me a while. I mean, look, I, I, I guess, I guess, I don't think of the, I, I, the Seahawks. There's like a part of me, like I'm just, like, AFC West. Like no, they've been in the NFC for a long time, like almost 20 years now. But when I was a kid, they were just in the AFC West. let say that's before my time. They so were I, an AFC team. Oh, then I never knew the Seahawks as an Steve AFC team. Steve Largent and John L. Williams and. Kirk the quarterback, but the running back out of Penn State who was... in Seattle had this beast of a backfield with these running backs. They had a good offense. Like, they were a good team. They had Cortez Kennedy, rest in peace, who was just, like, best, best D-tackle in the game. And um, and they were never, like, great. But they'd get in the playoffs sometimes. They were fun. And then it's like, oh, yeah. they've Like, I think of the Seahawks in the NFC versus the Seahawks in the AFC almost as, like, two different franchises, even though it's the same team because... My perception, whatever. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent here. Speaking of Kurt Warner, the other one. Oh God. Did you see that preview it that was all over social media? So funny.
1: Did you see did you watch
0: it? I, I did. I did. What's I, your thoughts? I, I watched it kind of with the sound off, so I almost feel like I need to hear the yeah, sound. Yeah, you need to listen to it. Zachary Levi playing Kurt <laughs> Warner in an underdog story. Oh, so God. it was kind of it it was kind of like it kind of looked like an SNL skit. Like not so much Levi so or bad. like the, the earnestness of it, but almost like the way they had the Rams uniforms, like the numbers look kinda of small, like the lighting. It the set really looked, it looked like, like a it joke. Was, it was off SNL. Kurt Warner's story I like I didn't I couldn't stand the St. Louis Rams because I was a Saints fan. But Kurt Warner's story is like it truly is like a great American story. Mm-hmm. There's no denying it. But just and Kurt like Warner's trailer is genuinely like one of the like Good guys. Yeah, he really is. Yeah, he really no, is agree. like truly a like good. Like practices what he preaches. Just good cut. His analysis is good. He was an MVP. He was a great player. Um, man, this 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 uh, now now I need now it, it, uh, we'll put it on the website later. In fact, we'll we'll go ahead and, and, and read one that um that hasn't you know, seen it yet if you want to go on our Twitter account at ESPN 1420. But I need to and I need SNL's to I need still. I need to watch it right now with the sound because it was kinda like last night I was doing something like look look at this. And it's not so much a preview, like there's some preview, but it's like the actors talking about the story, right? All right. Do your best listeners to uh to just envision something in your head as if it's on the set of SNL. This is an arena for gladiators. Warner steps into it. The Warriors who want a second chance. When I was a kid watching Kurt Warner play football, everybody knew the story.
2: He was working at a supermarket and then plays arena football. Then gets in the NFL. Welcome to the Rams. He wins the freaking Super Bowl. I've had so many people tell me, your story is is made for Hollywood. It's made for the big screen. It
1: really gives people hope. He's come from nothing. He's tried. He's failed. He's picked himself back up again. And eventually, he actually does succeed at getting his dream.
2: You go out there, and you show the world what I've known all along.
1: It's about relationship. It's about real life. He is a champion but he was the same person before all this happened.
2: I've heard so many people over the years that say that they've been inspired, they've been encouraged because of my story. And that's what I think is so cool. It's very difficult to step into the shoes of a, not just an NFL quarterback,
0: a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback who threw a football his entire life, still throws a football beautifully.
1: We're wanting to really honor what they went through and their life experiences. We're all on some journey in that regard, and I think that that's incredibly relatable. I don't know where we go from here, I don't know what comes next, but this, we did this, we did this together.
2: You want those dreams that you can keep striving towards. It doesn't have to look like a superstar or a superhero. Everybody has their challenges, their struggles, as they're trying to chase their dream. And my story, I think, encourages people that you can actually get there. Destiny, it belongs to the underdogs.
0: You know what? You guys are all just haters. That looks like a good feel-good movie. I don't I mean, what's, what's wrong with that? The funniest part of it is Dennis Quaid. The two shots of him as Dig for Meal. it looks like totally over the top.
1: Listen, I like Kurt Warner.
0: I think he's as wrong, I said he's wrong, a great guy. What's wrong with that preview? It looks it looks pretty bad. What it what just
1: is? doesn't. It looks I don't know. I, I don't I, listen. I'm not a big sports movie guy. Like, I think the best sports movie is probably The Sandlot, but just it's it, a it, true story. It looks
0: cheesy, man. Well, so what? It's a true story. What do you why do you hate people fulfilling their dreams, Charlie? Why?
1: What, oh, you yeah, really that's 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 the reason. That
0: is what, what's what's wrong with you. No, 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 American underdog, and Charlie's over there. Like, that after hearing the audio, it, it looks is,
1: it looks cheesy with but, like but, Hollywood production, so, you know?
0: Like, I Again, I just, I saw it yesterday without any of the sound. Uh, and I'm just like, why, are the, why is the number 13, like, so small? It looks so weird. Like, the set looks weird. Why is it so small on there? And Levi does not look like the most agile guy throwing the football. But, like, Kurt Warner, it's not like he moved swift in the pocket, but his release was, like, really quick. Mm. And Levi looks like he's out there, like, throwing, like, a, you know, a medicine ball. The release is so slow, and that's part of it. It's its maybe hard to accomplish, but, like, I don't know, man. Why do you, why do you hate feel-good things? It's your problem? It's a true story. It is a true story. And Charlie just hates people, you know, he hates Hollywood producing a feel-good movie about a guy fulfilling his dreams and inspiring others. I hate Hollywood jumping on a bandwagon of a good story like that. So what would you you want it to be like a a deep, dark, no, independent no. film? I just don't about want it I don't want Kurt it to be Warner made. Hit rock bottom and No his I don't. life was in shambles. Like
1: that's that's like the new Ben Affleck uh, basketball movie, which I thought was hilarious. Like that was that was a that. terrible movie. I didn't watch that. Was it based that's, on a true story? No, but like okay. that's what I'm saying.
0: It's this is a true Why does Hollywood story? need to make it? Why not? Well, first of all, the answer to that question is always to make money, by the way. I guess always. Why does Hollywood make a movie to make money? What what do you want to just like have a, you want to just watch We Are Marshall all the time and get depressed? No, but like it's, I don't know. It just looks cheesy.
1: It looks cheesy, Scott.
0: Well, so?
1: (laughs) I'm not going to say it. I mean, what do you want it to not be cheesy? I guess I got to ham it up because of, Kurt Warner, the person, like right, correct. I mean, that's but the, like it's
0: the Kurt Warner there's, there's story. There's a line
1: I feel like it's where it, it, it passes maybe a little bit of realism to more like, oh, this is a
0: Hollywood movie. Well, I'm sure there'll be some of that. Yeah, it's Hollywood. I mean, you just watched the pre. All right, the Dennis Quaid played by playing Dig for Meal looked looked pretty funny, and then the Rams uniforms. I'm like, why, why? Why would yeah, the football shots look bad. That's that's what it. Because like yesterday when I was watching without the sound, I was like, "What? Like, what are
1: they doing here?" No, yeah, when they're in uniform and I mean, go watch it. Go watch it yourself. But only like, it's on one Twitter. of them
0: had like a green screen, and and maybe it'll look different by the time it gets to who knows. Uh, Theater slash on demand or whatever you watch movies these days. I don't know. I just don't know why you're hating a pure <laughs> it's story a great American a story. It really is a great American story. It really is. It's hard. There's part of me that, like, I mean, look, I used to make fun of the Rams at Kurt Warner. Any chance I got when I was younger because I just couldn't stand the team because them and the Saints were, like, I mean, early 2000s, it was, like, heated. because they, they used to be in the same division. It was, like, this in-division rivalry in, like, 2000, 2001. The Saints against the greatest show on turf was, like, intense, man. Regular season games, a playoff game. It was like just the Rams. They, they seemed to have the Rams number. They would talk all this trash. They hated each other. It was that. they need. To, if they have some of that realism in the movie, now it's on. But then the Saints will be painted as like the villains. Yeah, definitely. Hey, you know what they need to have in the movie to end it? They just need to have Bobby McRae when Kurt's on the Cardinals. Just pfft, the last play of Kurt Warner's career was against the 9 Saints team in the playoffs. It was January of 2010. I remember that game. Will Smith, rest in peace, picks him off and like jumps up at the line, picks him off, starts running, and Kurt chases him and doesn't see Bobby McCray coming from his blind side, and McCray just laid him out. Just brutal hit, legal. Kurt's out with a concussion. That was the last snap of his career. I think they at least need to include that, right? Uh the If It, wants to be it like, might just be about him if, making if, it
1: big time. They're not gonna include it. No, they're not gonna include it. No, they I'm should. just saying, like, I don't think that they'll go through his entire career. No. No, they they won't include that. It yet. seems like an origin story of Kurt But Warner. if you wanted to <laughs> like, do like
0: if you wanted to do like an eighties style, like sp- Hollywood sports movie, McRae would somehow be a character.
2: That yeah, he plays bad. against
0: in high school. That he plays against at Northern Iowa. That he plays against in um, the arena league, and then that he like beats in the Super Bowl. And then at the end, maybe he hits him. Uh, they wouldn't have that part at the end. You know, they They'd have they, they have like have the Super Bowl game
1: year. where like yeah, this is this is full Hollywood cheese at this point. They, they'd have like the Super Bowl game where like McCray gets like the big lick on him at the start of the game, and then like mm-hmm. late in the game, like fourth quarter, final minute of the game, McCray's chasing him down from from like the 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 blind side. He sees right. him and he throws a
0: beautiful like forty yard touchdown a gross pass. Touchdown. That's yeah. it. I, it'll probably end with like they beat the Titans in the Super Bowl. Titans come up a yard short, um, and then Kurt runs over to his wife and has this moment. Gets the trophy. Thank you, Jesus. Roll the credits in the is. sequel. Bobby McCray. Oh, boom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the sequel's after, a little bit less feel good the, after the uh, than the first movie. I, I respect Kurt Warner. I, I do too. I just um, and I think it could be a good. Yes, I'll be. Look, man, I got I got kids. I mean, you know, my son might want to go see that. That's that's sure. a, that's a sports movie I could take him to. I'm not going to sit there and be like, "Let's stay home and watch any given Sunday, kid." You know what I mean? Have fun, Scott. Let watch, me know how it is. Let's not watch how you know Cameron Diaz, the owner, walks into the locker room and just everyone's just kind of hanging out in there. That's not not something I'm going to watch with my kid right now, Charlie. <laughs> I just hate man, just hates it. You you're, you're going to watch the movie. You're going to act like you're not, but you're going to watch the movie if
1: it's good. If people's like, look,
0: it looks it what looks do you think like a gonna movie. Say? They're going to say, "Oh, it was it was feel good movie. It was good." That's what they're going to say. It's weird in that it, it kind of looks. I said SNL skit. It almost kind of looks like it would be on like Lifetime, like a like a like a TV. That's movie. that's kind of how I. Get it the looks vibe like kind of, but I also don't think they've, they 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 put it in all fans, the Lifetime fan, Scott. Uh, no, I don't think <laughs> I don't even have Lifetime. I don't. Even have, I don't have cable. I don't. Hallmark
1: think, movies, you know. There you go. Yeah, like a hallmark. It, it 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 looks like a hallmark. That's that's kind of the vibe I get from it too, which is why I think it's kind of cheese. Because once Hollywood, I've seen. I watch movie. I watch Hallmark movies during Christmas as a joke, dude.
0: Like. You know what I mean? All those movies start out with, you know, Hallmark sports movie. Christmas, some woman ends up in some <laughs> small town that is like looks like the Her set, hometown. Looks like the set was designed in like a snow globe. Yeah. You know, there's this perfect snow falling everywhere. She wanted to be a baker, but you know what? She just got she got attracted to the big city life as a lawyer. Then she meets some guy that Happens to be like 30, somewhat wealthy in a small town, very handsome and like just helps children and like dying animals. <laughs> and wouldn't you know it by the end of the movie? Merry oh, Christmas. Man. Did I did I wrap it up for you? Yeah, now? that's that's about it. ESPN 1420com When we come back. Dynamic duos in the NBA. Would you take AI excuse me, take AI and Joel Embiid or would you take Devin Booker and Charles Barkley? We'll throw other teams in the mix as well. The debate's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show, ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. Welcome back into the great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather. Charlie Long sitting across from me, kicking it. Man hates feel-good stories (laughs) in America and in sports. I think we've learned that about Charlie Long. Scott's a big Hallmark fan. Um, No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I just just like people that fulfill their dreams. Excuse me if that makes me a bad guy somehow, Charlie. I didn't realize you were so cold-hearted. Jeez. All right. give it to me. We got what? We got super teams? What's happening
1: here? Four dream duos. So they take a player from the past and a player from today. And they combine them, say, how good would these two be together, right? First duo we got Allen Iverson and Joel Embiid. Second duo we got Luka Doncic, Dirk Nowitzki. Third duo we got Devin Booker, Charles Barkley. The final duo we got is Jason Tatum and Kevin Garnett.
0: Which right, one are well, you taking? No, no one's taking Tatum and Garnett. I think Tatum
1: and Garnett is interesting, um, but yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not picking them.
0: The best player in this whole group is either Barkley or Dirk. Yes. Um,
1: I'd take Dirk over Barkley.
0: AI is probably third. I'm talking best play. now. Look, maybe Devin and Luka and. You know, I mean, it's it's hard to argue. I mean, the old guys are. I i take higher. I think I'd
1: take KG over over AI.
0: Yeah. yeah. Huh? <clears throat> and they're just playing two on two. What, what are the, what's the exercise here?
1: It's it's just which which duo. Like, okay, so let's say that let's put it like we'll we'll put our own spin on it. This is from the Hoop Central, a good NBA Twitter account if you like the NBA. Um, I'll put my spin on it. Say that. With all the duos that have popped up in recent times, like the past couple of years with Kawhi and PG and LeBron and AD and all that good stuff, um, that they play together on a team, and it's not
0: just two on two. Oh, it's not just two on two. Well, then Dirk and Luca are kind of like—it's almost like they're taking—they're they're taking stuff away from each other because they both do some of the same things so well. They both need the ball in their Listen, hands.
1: I'm taking Dirk and Luca. Throw defense out the window. I don't care. These two guys are gonna if we're doing two on two, then who's gonna stop them?
0: You're thing? saying but you're saying so it's 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 Okay. You, I thought you just said it's not two on two. I thought yeah, you just said it's like a team. If I we're doing that,
1: if we're doing two on two, there no one's stopping the two of them. I, if, if it's a team, I'm still I'm still picking them. They both need the ball in their hands too much. So I can't go there. But they're both so efficient with the um, ball in their hands. I
0: think I can't go there because it's I need if it's a, if it's a whole team. Probably leaning toward AI and Embiid or Booker and Barkley, because the other one can do great things. Like they don't—they're not taking away from each other. They're elevating one another. So I mean, look, Barkley at his peak was. Just, Barkley and Booker are a really good. Pair. Barkley at his peak is—that's is, is one of the best ever. AI is probably one of the tough. I mean, go go back and look at the team he led to the freaking finals. The finals. I mean, the number two option on that team offensively was Aaron McKee. They had Mutombo, but they didn't get him until like the latter part of that season, and that's rebounding in defense. I mean, Eric Snow's like your big, can he make a clutch shot? Like, that's what he was working with in the finals. It was all AI, man. But AI, because it was all, because it always had to be on him, you know, it was how much are you getting it to a guy like unembeat? So I, I think I'm actually going Booker and Barkley here.
1: Booker I think and Barkley complement each if, other pretty well. Yeah,
0: if you're putting them on like a team and we're saying that like all things are equal on all the other teams, I think I think they complement one another the best like you said. So that's where I'm leaning in this exercise. Now, I get your look, if it's 2 on 2 like Dirk Luka like okay, they're just all they got to <laughs> do is just hope you miss a shot, rebound and neither of them are going to miss. They'll they'll be able to get their shot over anyone. But you know, Barkley and Booker, I mean Barkley could- Even with
1: a 5 on 5, I can't imagine like the two man offensive game of Luka Doncic and Dirk Nowitzki. Like it's just unstoppable. And I get Barkley the inside game, the rebounding, like one of the one of the best rebounders of our time,
0: of all time. Hey, first of all, AI would just he would fly past Luka and Dirk every time. Look, I, I already threw he defense would just, out the window. He would just fly past. Them. I threw defense out the they window. No, they You think they're going to just rim protect? No. Either either he's going to hit an outside shot, or if they go to guard him, he's just going to fly past them. And then oh, they're going to rebound. Well, I guess I the offensive game is smooth, the one though. that's going to rebound. Charles Barkley's the one that's going to rebound. Definitely. No, no, it's that you're you're. Uh, they might be they might be last on the list with the guidelines. Last on the list. If you're trying to win a game and over KG and Tatum, because what Luka and Dirk. Do similar things very well, so you are taking the ball out of one guy's hands to let the other guy do it. They're not going to out rebound the other three big men on this list. They're not, and they're not going to be able to stay in front of Booker or AI, maybe Tatum a little bit. I mean, I am not. I am not saying the Weiss. Dirk might be the best overall guy on the list. Okay, okay. individually, Luke is incredible, but under the exercise of they're playing with it's fi- it's five on five and all things are kind of equal otherwise. I just in terms of how they complement one another in this p- particular exercise, like on NBA Jam, they're going to have stronger overall stats collectively than some of the other. Okay, teams. then let's do let's but do. But under on this exercise, two on two, then two on two, I probably same deal. I'm probably I mean AI and Booker are going to fly past them every time, and they're not going to be able to out rebound Embiid, Barkley, or KG. So. Yeah. They basically just now maybe they basically just have to never miss a shot, which is possible with those two. That's what I'm saying. But their, their offensive game is so—they're not going to get any second chances because we, they're not going to out rebound, and they're not going to—they're not going to be able to get in front of
1: AI or or Booker. We saw how good Luka is, like the past few years. He's, in my opinion, he's a top, incredible. He's a top three player in the NBA at age what twenty one. He's incredible. He's kind of a punk, but he's incredible. Well, listen, everyone that's that good at that young is going to have a bit of an ego. I got,
0: he's kind of a punk on the floor, is what I mean. Oh, okay. I don't. Wives about a lot of fouls, plays a little dirty. okay. I gotcha. I gotcha. I'm not even. I'm not dogging them. I mean, it's just a fact. You know, let's let's call no. it like
1: it is. I mean, every superstar whines, but that's besides the point, except for Zion, I guess. If Zion's consider, not a punk on the you consider floor. Consider him a superstar. I do no, not a punk on the floor. He's great. He's a great kid. But, I don't think
0: Giannis is a punk on the floor. He's been a two time MVP. Yeah, I guess so. Don't be, don't get sensitive. I mean, you you're the one that hates underdog stories. huh. Luca is just he's kind of a punk. But you no, like I'm that kind of stuff. You, you like that kind of stuff. You want I think Luca's you great. You want Kurt Warner's feel good story to be like a hard rated R with just you know, like raunchy scenes. I don't know what I don't know what Charlie. Death Long's. and alcohol. We're learning all kind of stuff. Yeah, no. Just put it on the Hallmark yeah, channel the house, instead of opening it up. When the house and burns theaters. down, I want there to be like close shots of the <laughs> no. family dog no, burning no, 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 and no, no, him that's not what sobbing in tears. That is to, not what I said. I want to I see said. this stuff about this guy that gives his life to God and overcomes all these obstacles and goes from supermarket to Super Bowl. I don't want that. I want the gritty stuff in here. That's what Charlie likes to watch. American Underdog. The Kurt Warner story. Hey, it's a true story. It's good. The title is cheesy. Dude. People love Rudy. Okay, Rudy. Half of Rudy is just. Beat. I, I. To be fair, I've, half, never, I've never seen Rudy. Half of Rudy is not true. Now, don't get me wrong. I. I, I get in and I'm like, God, dog, man, it feels kind of good. All right. I've never seen it. it. But, but a lot of it's like it's it's very Hollywood esque But I mean, Kurt Warner's story, like. But it but it already is made for Hollywood. I mean, go go look at it. It's the real deal, man.
1: Two on two. I don't think anyone on this list is defending either one of Luka Doncic or Dirk Nowitzki. That's yeah, what it comes down to.
0: You don't care about defense. I don't care about or defense. Or feel-good American Okay, stories. well, we're back to it, Scott.
2: <laughs> no uh, one on
1: this. I think the best defensive big on this list is probably KG. But even then, KG would get cooked by Dirk. That's
0: just how good Dirk was in his prime. Yeah, like they're, the, the scoring is not going to be an issue. But if they miss a shot, <laughs> then good luck. If they miss a single shot, like they're okay, not going to so get what, the rebound. What kind, of, what kind of game are we playing with this? With this
1: duos, so are we doing like to twenty one? I don't know. I mean You're the one making the rules. I'm not making the rules. It's it's a very blanket statement. Which dream duo are you taking between Iverson and B, Dirk, Luca, Booker, Barkley, Tatum, if Garnett? it's two
0: on two to twenty one? I don't know. I, I, again, I'm probably taking Booker and Barkley. I
1: think I'm taking Luca and Dirk. I don't because think they to hit
0: the threes. They're going to get Bark going to get every rebound. And Booker can just fly past Dirk and Luka anytime they want. If they want to get physical with with Devin and, like, break his nose like he's broken it twice this postseason, then he just gives it to Barkley, who's going to give one elbow mm. to Dirk or Luka's chest, and they're going to just be like, <laughs> they're going to start crying. West just walking up to Dirk in a playoff game and just tapping him on the face, and Dirk did nothing. Nothing. No, man. They're not – they would get – they would yeah. – Give me give me the Suns, baby. Suns in four. Suns in four? No, I don't think they're going to win in four games. I just I just wanted to do the meme of this exercise. That's fair. Are we yes. talking about
1: our predictions tonight for, uh, for the next
0: one? We're going to do it next. Ooh. Who takes game two tonight? Who's going to be the game MVP? Don't go anywhere. It's ESPN 1420, ESPN1420.com, and the ESPN 1420 app. ESPN 1420 and .com. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Reminder, the race against the clock by Talent Blood Drive, along with Town Square Media, happening today from 7 to 7. At the Westline Event Center in Scott, Louisiana, 325 Apollo Road. Schedule your appointment. Make it happen. Save lives goes On again tomorrow from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Norman Locke will be hanging out there tomorrow from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. if you want to go hang out with the troll master. More importantly, if you want to give blood, the troll master, the troll master. I've never absolutely. heard of that nickname for Norm. Oh, that's not a nickname. That's a, <laughs> that's a fact. That's a, that's a yeah, man. That's I love Norm. That's a, he, he leans into that. He owns that. He's not trying to deny it. That's funny. one time. I don't know, I remember who it was. Some listeners like Scott, how can you call him a troll when you do? I'm like. And Norm's sitting with me. I'm like, I'm not insulting Like, this is him. This is him. And he's like, Yeah, man, that's true. I'm not. He's not insulting me. Come on, this is I'm not. I'm not denying that. He's he trying to help him essentially. Oh, there we go. <laughs> ESPN1420and.com. All right, we've um, we've talked about. NBA Finals, Superstar, why aren't more people rooting for Giannis? We've talked about the Kurt Warner American Underdog story, which Charlie hates. We talked McGregor-Poirier quite a bit. We talked Dream Duos. We talked Pell's potentially interested in the Pistons' first overall pick. Didn't talk about Federer getting taken down easily at Wimbledon yesterday. Or my boy Djokovic <laughs> doing what I said he would do, which was winning straight yeah, sets. He's, he's going to walk. He's going to walk through it. The GOAT. Congratulations, Djokovic. The GOAT. Tonight, game two, NBA Finals. Milwaukee, Phoenix. Phoenix is a five-and-a-half point favorite. Mm. Here's what you need to do. You take Bucks plus the five-and-a-half, but the Suns win the game. That's what happens. Spread that close one? 112-108 is going to be your final tonight. Ooh. Phoenix wins, not scoring everything. A couple of late free throws, you know, when Milwaukee's trying to stay in it, will will stretch it to like you know a two possession game. When the final score is done, it'll be a game in the last few minutes. It'll be worth staying up for. Check it out. That's the hope. Suns up two zero. Milwaukee leaves Phoenix feeling like okay, we got it. We're going back home. We're okay. We know what we did wrong tonight. We missed some free throws. And yet we feel like we can win this series. That's what's going down tonight. What you got, Charlie? You know Milwaukee's home record in the playoffs this postseason?
1: No, what is it? I believe it's 12-1. and one. There, poof, there you go. Maybe. Okay. I'm pretty sure. Let me well, double check that. Good for them. Yeah, they're great at home. So I got the Suns in this game. Then Milwaukee goes back and wins the next two.
0: Give me a score. Give me a five. Is it five and a half? Do you go over? Do you go under? What are
1: we doing here? Five and a half. I'll take. Uh, I'll take the over. I'll take the. I'll take uh, the Suns. You're counter. taking the Suns. i the minus Suns five and a half. I'll
0: take the Suns winning by like seven or eight. All right. Yeah. You think it'll be kind of similar to last game, A little closer, but not a little not bit closer as than last game. as I think it
1: is. I think maybe like it will be the Suns win the first quarter this time. The Bucks come back and win the second, and then the Suns win the second half again.
0: Who's the game MVP tonight? We got Chris Paul again, or what? Aiton had twenty two and nineteen, and people were talking about him like is the third guy in the last game with that stat. He was he was
1: great. Um, He could very well have another monster performance. How much does Chris
0: Paul? How much does a center like that benefit from playing with Chris Paul? Uh, Unreal, unreal. He knows it too. He says it like he knows it. I mean. He, I mean, he averaged a double-double in the regular season, 14 and 10, but in the playoffs, it's almost like something's been a lock with this guy.
1: Yeah, Aiden... He's only 22. Aiden getting the chance to play with him. He was the former number 1 overall pick. I mean, getting a chance to play with a Hall of Fame point guard
0: as a center, it unlocks a lot of your capabilities. One that is... is, is I mean, Chris Paul and John Stockton are the two greatest point guards in the pick-and-roll of all time. Like, when it comes to the pick-and-roll... And being able to read the angle and 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 make that decision, um, you know. Hey, even though Stockton may not want to take his shot. That's going to do it for the Great Scott Show, the Great Sports Callers Open Think Tank. Charlie Long, thank you for hanging out this morning, my friend. Bucks win by eight tonight. Calling All right, he's, he's calling it. Calling it. All right, there its 116108. one Talk tomorrow. Gus Kattengill's schedule will be on me. Charlie will be on again uh, in the 8 o'clock hour tomorrow morning. That's the plan right now. Stay tuned. Greeny is coming up next. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow. Enjoy the game tonight. Go donate blood. Make it happen. And don't be like Charlie. Don't hate on feel-good stories. Don't, don't hate on an American underdog, Kurt Warner. Yeah. Charlie Long hates the underdogs. Oh, yeah. H-D-O-X, ESPN1420.com. If you missed the show or parts of it, subscribe to the Great Scott Show podcast on your favorite podcast platforms. You can catch all the shows on demand. Don't go anywhere. Greeny's next. It's ESPN1420.com.